Welcome to this time of worship at First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. I'm Sandra Olwine and I serve as pastor here and along with our staff and entire congregation, we are so glad that you have joined us. As the new year begins, we continue to worship virtually as a way to protect the health of our community and our congregation. But the Spirit's power is able to reach beyond the separation that we feel physically to bind us together spiritually so that we are still one family. And in this time of worship, our hearts will be renewed in our love of God and our desire to serve God by loving our neighbor. So in anticipation of the Spirit's work in our life, let us turn our hearts to praise and prayer. God is with God's people, dwelling in their midst. Listen and hear God speak. Our hearts long for God's word. We wait upon the Lord so that we may renew our strength. God is our help and our support. God's spirit moves among us to lead us in holiness and righteousness all our days. With joyful hearts, we sing the Lord's praise. With, with rejoicing, rejoicing, we, we call, call upon God, God our hope and, and our, our salvation. salvation. 
We begin worship and prayer, turning our hearts and minds towards God, asking that the Spirit might open us to God's movement within and among us. In that hope, please join me in the prayer of the day. Gracious and all-loving God, you call to us across deep waters and shadowed places. Yours is the light which guides us and the voice which we follow. We pray that you would reveal yourself to us as we worship you. May those without hope be encouraged, those who are sad, encouraged, those who are seeking, find you, and may all things be according to your will. In the name of your beloved Son, we pray. Amen. Good morning, young Christians. Do you ever wake up early in the morning when it's still dark outside? I have to admit, I don't do that a lot. But when I do, everything is so quiet and calm. The air is crisp and the dark black sky is so comforting with little twinkling stars shining through. With everything so quiet and calm, it feels like God is right there with you. In our gospel passage today from Mark, we hear that Jesus had been doing a lot of healing. He had been helping person after person after person to get well, and it was so amazing. Then, in the morning, while it was still very dark, Jesus went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. It was important for Jesus to take time to pray, to go to a place that was quiet and calm, where he could just be with God for a while. Do you have a place like that? In a couple of weeks, we're beginning a special season in the church called Lent. Lent is a time when we're invited to be with God in a special way. And part of how we do that is by practicing things like praying, giving, and fasting. This Saturday, you may have come to the church and picked up a bag like this that says Lent in a bag. And today, we're going to do a Lent in a bag unbagging. It's like an unboxing, but it's a bag. Here we go. Let's see. Ooh, first we have some Mardi Gras items. That's because before we enter the season of Lent, we celebrate something called Mardi Gras or Fat Tuesday. This is a time to just celebrate all the good things in life, good food, good friends, all of our blessings before we enter a season that's a little more quiet and calm. Actually, we are having a Mardi Gras Zoom party that you can join. So you have lots of items that we will be using at that party in this bag. Let's see. Oh, and there's also some pancake mix so you can make your very own Mardi Gras pancakes at home to celebrate. And there's some syrup in there too. Okay, one of the things we're gonna do during our Mardi Gras party, or you can do on your own, is this box where you're going to fold it up and make it into a box to collect your giving. 
during the season of Lent as a church, our children and youth work on giving to Heifer International. And so you are gonna make a giving box. And also in here, there are some pictures of people and animals um, who Heifer International can help. And so you can use those pictures to decorate your box and keep learning more about Heifer International. Um, you also have an Alleluia banner. During the season of Lent, we do something called burying the Alleluia. So you can color this and take a picture of it. And then during the Mardi Gras party, we're gonna roll these up and hide them away for the season of Lent and bring them back out on Easter Sunday. Let's see what else we have. Oh, we have a palm leaf. This is a dried palm leaf. And what you can do with this is you can use it to make ashes for Ash Wednesday. Did you know that that is what we do? We take the palms, I wanna show you a whole dried one here. Remember the palms that we wave on Palm Sunday? Well then we dry them out and use the leaves from Palm Sunday to make ashes for Ash Wednesday. Let's see, we also have, ooh, this is an invitation. And this is to remind you that Lent is an invitation to this special time to be with God. And what you can do is you can fill it out with your plan for Ash Wednesday. You can do the church service that's gonna be on YouTube, or you can do the family liturgy that you can also find in your bag. Something else fun in here. Look at this. I've got a special carton of eggs. Who likes to hunt Easter eggs? I bet you do. Hunting Easter eggs is so fun. So what we have is during the season of Lent, someone in your family will, can hide one of these eggs each week. And when you find it, you can open it and you can read the little part that will tell you what the thing inside of it means and do a little activity. So every week until Easter Sunday, you get to find an Easter egg. So fun. Finally, we have this little piece of burlap and a candle. And this is for you to make a special little prayer space in your home. So you can lay out your burlap, put your candle on it, and each time you do your Lent activities, when you find your egg and open what's inside of it, you can put it in this special little prayer space. You can create your own little space for quiet and calm to just be with God. If you didn't get your Lent in a bag yet, that's okay. You can come to the church this Saturday between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. to come and get your Lent in a bag. We have bags for families with children and also bags for adults. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for Jesus' example of taking time to pray. Thank you for always inviting us to spend special time 
with you. Thank you for being with us always. Amen. Rushed by the busyness of life, weary from the stress of every day, we have these moments to catch our breath, to think of how we have treated others recently and to remember how we've not always been God's faithful people. As we prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table, a table wide enough and long enough for neighbors and enemies alike, let us come to God, knowing that the one who listens to our words is the one who has given us the word of grace and mercy. Will you join me in our prayer of confession? Everlasting God, we know how easy it is to forget your presence and power in our lives. Focused on our daily activities, we often do not pay attention to the night sky and the stars that glitter. Surrounded by the sounds of anger, violence, and hate, we have trouble listening to your words of hope and grace. Thinking that scripture is filled only with stories, we ignore your truth found there, which can change lives. Forgive us. Redeem us through your gracious mercy and hope. Lift us to our feet so we may walk with you. Fill us with your strength so we may serve all your people. Touch us with your healing so we may proclaim to everyone the good news that has come in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. I invite you then to take a few moments for your own silent prayers and confessions. The good news is this, God never tires out. God is always with us. God heals us with mercy. God strengthens us for service. And the one who numbers the stars knows each of us by name. Thanks be to God, every one of us is forgiven. Amen.
The scripture lesson this morning comes from Paul's first letter to the people in Corinth, chapter 9, verses 16 to 23. Listen for the word of God. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this, that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I become as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I become as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I become as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And the table will be wide, and the welcome will be wide, and the arms will open wide to gather us in, and our hearts will open wide to receive. So begins the poem, And the Table Will Be Wide, by Jan Richardson, written for World Communion Sunday in 2012. It's a poem that constantly calls to me, especially when I am reflecting on the heart of what the good news of God as shared by Jesus is, and what it means for us to witness to it, to proclaim it. At the very center of the good news is a table where everyone, and God means everyone, is welcome. Well, as I wrestled over how to unpack today's reading from Paul's first letter to the people of Corinth, that poem came to mind again. For at the heart of this letter, I believe that is what Paul wanted the community in all of its diversity to know. God's table as set by Jesus was wide enough for all of them and they should welcome each other in the manner that they had been welcomed by God. You see, Corinth was a seaside city, a major port in a bustling metropolis of its day where rich and poor, free and slave, Gentile and Jew, lived amongst each other. It was a place where money, greed, and power shaped the lives of the residents, traders, and travelers alike. Exploitation and oppression were common for worker and slave classes. Yet there amidst that city of stratification and division, there was this fledgling Christian community that had been drawn together Folks from every part of that society, nowhere else, literally nowhere else, were the people of that city associated with the likes of one another. The promise and the power of the gospel resonated in their lives in a way that pushed all of them beyond their comfort zones. They found themselves in relationship with those people. 
Yes, something in that message of God in Christ had captured their imaginations and hearts and drawn them to this unusual gathering of strangers, even enemies. And they were together trying to figure out what it meant to be welcomed to such a community, to live as such a community. And truth be told, it wasn't going all that great. Things were hard. There were a lot of tension about all types of things in that community. The lesson for today, well, it's set in sort of that context, a small portion through which Paul begins to name some of the division and strife that's causing conflict between the members of the community as they struggle to live as disciples of Christ Jesus. We're trying to figure out what it meant to be this countercultural community. Knowing oneself loved of God is a life-transforming gift that changes the trajectory of one's life. But that change doesn't only bring about a sense of personal acceptance, it also opens our hearts to the neighbor whom we discover God loves as well. And therein lies the rub of the Christian life. Loving God with heart, soul, mind, and strength means doing the same for and to our neighbors, the ones pulled up alongside us at the table who we didn't invite, but God did. You know, there were those in the community who knew they were full of right knowledge full of right behavior, full of right leadership. And Paul acknowledges that they were right, but then he drives home the point by being even more right than any of them. He knows more, he acts more faithfully, and offers the best guidance. He knows what right is. But guess what? He tells them being right is also transformed by the law of Christ by this gospel of love. Right isn't right on its own terms anymore. Liberty and freedom in Christ are not licenses to do as one pleases and being right isn't about lording knowledge and behavior over others in the community. No, the law of Christ is a constraint of love, a bridle that guides us on the path of the kingdom. Jan's poem continues, and we will come as children who trust there is enough, and we will come unhindered and free, and our aching will be met with bread, and our sorrow will be met with wine. Hmm. We know aching and sorrow right now, don't we? I mean, many among us are living through the grief of loss, death of loved ones, disruption in employment, all the educational upheavals going on, to name just a few. The ongoing isolation and separation from one another and from those we love fills us with heartache. And even with the vaccines beginning to be distributed, we know it will still be months before we can actually gather safely to worship in some form of community in person together, or to enjoy backyard gatherings or picnics at the park. And amidst all that we are living through, I suspect the news last Sunday of my upcoming appointment as district superintendent is one more challenge in an already challenging enough context. O oh Lord, how long, O oh Lord, will the sea churn, we cry. 
Yet the promise of the good news of God in Christ that Paul wanted the Corinthians to trust is that there is grace enough to carry us through such seas. God's love is strong enough to unbind us from the shackles of our fears and worries. God supplies what we need to feed our souls so that we stay strong in faith. And God will quench our thirst with mercy and new life if we but pull up a chair to God's table. Now, while the people of Corinth faced completely different circumstances than us, the struggles they faced in living under the law of Christ are our struggles too. Inwardly and outwardly, we know differences of opinion and approach. You know, and you may find that some of those differences will become more evident as the time for the arrival of your new pastor draws near. You know, often congregations facing a change in pastoral leadership begin to sort of jockey for position with each other and with the new pastor, making appointments to talk to them to be sure that they have the correct understanding of the way things really have been, how they really are, and how they should forever be. In comparisons to how, how I have led, both negative and positive will emerge. And the yearning to be right as you help your new pastor understand what he or she should prioritize, change, maintain, and grow might well materialize. But the first thing to be, the first thing to do with your new pastor will not be to be right. No, it will be to meet one another with bread and to share with one another a cup feasting on Christ in faith and remembering that God adores you and claims you and calls you to make a place at the table for whoever comes, giving them their own place to be among you, not a place shaped by me, but a place made new for them. That will be foundational for continuing to grow into who God is calling this community to be. The right thing to do is to not start with being right, but being hospitable. Because in the breaking of bread and the sharing of the cup, we are reminded that God has called us together with whomever is at the table. Here, we are called to act like the body of Christ for and with one another. I can leave you in a few months in confidence because I believe in your heart of hearts that the law of Christ is the constraint by which this community will flourish and you will guard your hearts and minds against division over change. And we will open our hands to the feast without shame, and we will turn to want each other without fear, and we will give up our appetite for despair, and we will taste and know of delight. I love that section of Jan's poem. No shame, no fear, no despair, just delight in one another's presence. That is ultimately Paul's desire for the contentious community in Corinth, and it is my hope for you. The good news that comes with the new pastor is that together you will figure out what church is. For you see, we will never be going back to church as it was. We will never be returning to church. We will only be creating church anew. No one, and I want to underscore that, no one knows what church will look like as we move slowly into living with and beyond the pandemic. Virtual worship 
virtual faith formation, virtual justice work will all be part of the next phase of being church almost assuredly. Worship patterns and community outreach and how we grow in our faith, we're going to all take on completely new forms. And you'll be freed from the, we don't do it that way, because that way can't happen anymore. Well, while that is a bit frightening, at the table we are reminded that there is enough God here for us and we do not have to fear one another. We can instead be glad for everyone who is at the table, giving thanks to God for one another. In a spirit of delight, creativity, sustainability, fruitfulness, and possibility emerge. You know, Reinhold Niebuhr, the great 20th century theologian, once wrote, Nothing that is worth doing can be achieved in our lifetime. Therefore, we must be saved by hope. Nothing which is true or beautiful or good makes complete sense in any immediate context of history. Therefore, we must be saved by faith. And nothing we do, however virtuous, can be accomplished alone. Therefore, we must be saved by love. Hope, faith, love, those are blessings given at the table and they are the ones that will overcome the challenges ahead and turn the problems into possibilities. Something Paul would share with the Corinthians just a bit later in the letter. And you know those words. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. Hmm. Now remember, this love, it's not some sentimental, wishy-washy kind of love. No, this love is an act of the will, choosing to respond from our best selves, from our God selves, even, even when we don't feel like it. Now that doesn't mean that there is no accountability, that there is no call for justice or amends. But without love as the grounding force, too often our calls for accountability come from a place of pride or self-righteousness, blinding us to how the very things we want to hold someone else accountable for are actually in our lives as well. This God love keeps us humble and grounded so that justice does not become retribution and accountability doesn't become scapegoating. It is Jesus' teaching about the splinter in another's eye while missing the log in our own. My friends, the world needs Christians that remember this and actively live our lives under the constraint of this law of Christ. Jan's poem concludes, We will become bread for a hungering world, and we will become drink for those who thirst, and the blessed will become the blessing and everywhere will be the feast. 
Ultimately, that was Paul's hope for the people of Corinth, that fractious, diverse, struggling community, that they would put on the law of Christ, be constrained by its direction, and that they would proclaim the gospel through who they were and what they did, not primarily among themselves, but when they then returned to that divided, broken society in which they all lived. Could they treat those with whom they disagreed with dignity? Could those who were in power see those over whom they had control as fellow children of God, those who both need and already have God's love? Could they let the law of Christ seep deeply within them that they could replace being right with being love? That is no less challenging in our world than it was in Corinth. And we are living in a time when the probability of authoritarianism is rising in our nation. And there is much we need to be right about as we move through this next season in our country. But even as we struggle with the conspiracy theorist and with white supremacist, even as we look at our own complicity and divisions in our society, we need to hold fast to the law of Christ so that we do not become that which we abhor striving to be bread for a hungry world and drink for those who thirst should guide our deliberations about how we respond to the world around us. What does it mean for us to be agents of healing and hope in a world of dis-ease and despair? What does it mean for us to be agents of truth and peace in a world of conspiracies and violence? What does it mean for us to be agents of community and creativity in a world of hatred, and destruction? You know, there are no simple answers to those questions. But when we sit at table with one another, even virtually, feasting on Christ in faith and drink of the cup of salvation, we are nurtured and sustained for the journey so that together we can discover the answers to such questions. Becoming all things to all people is not a call to relativism and sort of sliding convictions. It's about trying to understand others from their point of reference, seeking connection in order to share love more effectively, to call for accountability rather than revenge, to build community rather than walls and barriers. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once wrote, I can no longer condemn or hate a brother from whom I pray, no matter how much trouble he causes me. That is the high and difficult calling of the law of Christ, to which Paul was calling the people of Corinth to follow. It is our calling too. When right isn't right, we know life is a paradox of freedom and indebtedness, strength and weakness, boasting and humility, obligation and reward. Our freedom, treasured as it is, can never be absolute, for we are called to be in service to others. Our strength is neither earned by ourselves or for our own sake. Instead, real strength is drawing alongside the weak and walking with them. And in the end, Paul does not imagine the unity of Christians as an optional component of faith, but a direct reflection of what God has done for us through Christ. 
No community of faith will ever match us with a group of people just like us. No community of faith will ever match us with a group of people just like us. But in the midst of that difference, God is moving with us. May we be bold enough to come to the table so that God may pair us with whom we are to share God's love in Christ so that the world may be transformed through love. Then right will be right. Amen. Please join me now in a time of prayer. Incarnate God, we rejoice in all the ways that you are alive among us. We know you in the acts of kindness and mercy that are shown to us by others. We know you as we seek to follow your way and to extend your love to the whole world. We seek you at the table of grace, through the common meal, the bread and cup made holy. We pray to be nourished today by your sacrament. Feed also your church in every place. Sustain its leaders, especially our Bishop Grant and Superintendent Jim, and encourage your faithful people during these troubling times. We join our prayers today with those of all of our district churches in raising up before you the people of First United Methodist Church in Ventura and of Barnsdale United Methodist Church in Fillmore. We pray for all people who are laboring in the world to transform it and to bring forth your justice and peace. Wherever your children suffer under injustice and oppression, send hope and strength. Ignite the imaginations of our leaders to seek creative solutions to our problems and to work for the common good. Remind we who have so much of the responsibility to share what we have. Our very breath is a gift from you, O God. The world you have made, the good creation, all are gifts from your loving hand. Help us to live generous lives and then to invite others to experience your gracious bounty. Comfort the many thousands whose lives have been affected by the coronavirus pandemic. While we cling to signs of hope and encouragement after so many long months of quarantine, we are also mindful of the tremendous suffering and loss of life that this disease causes the human family each and every day. O oh God, sustain the afflicted and bring hope to those who grieve the loss of loved ones. We seek to be Christ for one another as we pray for those that are most precious to us. O oh God, bless all who suffer this day in body, mind, or spirit, especially the many persons and situations found in our prayer list this week. We especially pray that your healing spirit may be felt by Julianne Kosakowski and Richard Zeiss as they cope with a time of health challenges this week. And we pray for our sister Nadine Whitry and her family as they mourn the passing of Nadine's father. You have promised to be with us in all of the seasons of life, O God. Help us to have faith even where we have not seen. And open weary eyes to see your presence in each day, in the acts of love and help that we receive, and in those that you call us to do. For it is most profoundly that we know your presence in the simple breaking of the bread. Make your incarnation manifest to each one this day, 
separated as we are. We pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus, our leader, example, and friend. Amen. Thank you for joining in this time of worship from First United Methodist Church in Pasadena, California. There are a number of important announcements in today's bulletin, and there just isn't time for me to read all of them to you, so please use the link in the video description today to download it and then keep it handy this week. Valentine's Day is coming up next Sunday. Please remember that this Friday is the deadline to donate toward the special gift bags being distributed to the clients of our social service pantry. When you donate $40 or more, you can send a Valentine gram to a special someone in the greater Pasadena area. Remember that Valentine gram is a dozen cookies or a plant. Full details are in the midweek email and can also be found in today's bulletin. This service and all of our past services and events are available on the church's YouTube channel. Please subscribe so that you'll be reminded of the upcoming events. And also remember the special email address that we are using for communicating directly with the clergy staff, connect at fumcpasadena.org. Thank you for continuing to sustain the church while we are separated. There is a link to the church's online giving website in the video description today, or you can reach it by clicking on the donate button anytime on the church's website. You of course are always welcome to mail your offerings to the church using the U.S. Postal Service. Be well, stay safe, and remember to wear your mask. My dear friends, it has been one year since we have gathered here at this table together. I suspect even when we knew we would not come together for a long while, I doubt any of us really thought that we would still not be finding some way to be in the sanctuary to share in this meal. But we are still one because of God's Spirit. God's Spirit's not limited by time or space, and our connection transcends our physical presence with one another. So I invite you then, if you have not already done so, to find some bread, a cracker, a muffin, and something to drink, juice, water, wine, coffee, that even as we are gathered in these different places, that we might know that each of us is sharing in this sacrament together. Pause the video if you need to go and to gather your elements and then start it again when you are ready. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, most holy God, creator of heaven and earth, you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, 
heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At Jesus' ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread and he gave thanks to you for it. And then he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after the supper was over, he took a cup and he gave thanks to you for it. And then he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, drink from this, all of you. For this is the sign of the new covenant that is poured out for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins and that you might know new life. Do this as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us as we are gathered in all of our different places and in all the gifts of bread and wine that we have gathered. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his sacrifice and love. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, most holy God, now and forever. Amen. And now with confidence, may we pray the prayer together that Jesus taught those that would follow him to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today, there are many loaves and a bunch of different cups. We are not at one table together. But as we break this bread, as you break your bread, the Spirit holds us together in God's loving embrace. And we still feast on Christ in faith. And as we drink from our cups, we share in the good news of Christ's life poured out for us and for the world. 
So this day, eat and drink in thanksgiving, knowing that we each do so and are sustained in our faith, even as we continue our journey apart from each other for this time. Let us pray. God, you've come to us in this holy mystery of bread and juice, of wine and coffee, of crackers and muffins, as we have gathered around our tables, separate from one another, and yet bound together as family through your love and by the power and presence of your spirit. Renew us now as you have fed us so that we might go to the world to feed others in Christ's name. Amen. Renewed by the power of God's unconditional love and forgiveness, strengthened by the witness of Jesus to be of service to others, we go into the world, rejoicing in the opportunities to serve others in Christ's name. So go in peace, and let the peace of God always dwell within you. Amen.